The World of Grey, Part 1. Grey sat in the hospital's waiting room, trying not to breathe in the smell of antiseptic, soap, and the slight undercurrent of sickness. She channeled her anxiety by rapidly tapping her feet against the white tiled floor and clasping her hands together so tightly that her knuckles turned as white as the walls around her. She leaned back in her chair and scanned the room with furrowed brows, and though she didn't know it, a slight frown on her face. Searching for the person who would step out of one of these doors any minute now to tell her that the test results had come back negative and that she would be fine. Or at least, that's what Grace told herself. Restless, she looked about the room, trying to get her mind off what her life had been revolving around for the past few weeks. No small feat, mind you. The magazine spread out on the table in front of her provided little amusement, most of them being about business, sports, or fashion, three things that Grace had little interest in. The racks of health pamphlets in the corner were equally unpromising, and so the only thing that remained was for her to look at the people in the room. There was her family, who took up more than half of the waiting room's current population. The seven of them had always been the largest family she knew of, and so there was no surprise there. Her parents stood huddled by the front desk, whispering animatedly and wearing identical haggard expressions. Her younger brother seemed to be moping by her parents, but Grace could tell that he was actually just trying to listen in on their conversation. By the way, he was leaning slightly towards them, his hands in his pockets, and occasionally casting conspiratorial glances towards her. Grace's three younger sisters were all gathered around the vending machine, trying to decide what to buy with the money they had been given. Their parents had been too distracted to really count it out, and as a result, Jay, Greer, and Corin were gifted with $15 each. Because junk food was a rare treat in their family, Jay, the eldest of the group, was holding on to all the money, deciding what to buy single-handedly. Greer tried to tell her older sister that she wanted the appealingly rainbow Skittles, but she was simply ignored as Jay punched in the code for Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, Milky Ways, M&M's, Ring Pops, and the Sour Patch Kids. Finally relenting, the last thing to appear out of the slot was a battered bag of Skittles. Greer was delighted. Little Corin stood there stoically the whole time, staring at her sisters with a quizzical expression on her face. Once, she tried to take a sweet from Jay, but the candy was abruptly yanked from her hand and pocketed. No, Cor, Mom and Dad just said you can't have any because you're too young. Corin stared at Jay. Grace braced herself, ready for a tantrum. But the one-year-old just smiled good-naturedly. That was the personality of Corin and Greer. They were both always happy to be happy. As Grace was watching this scene unfold, an old arthritic hand, blue with veins and yellow with age, reached out to tap her on the arm twice. Grace reluctantly turned around, mustered up a fake smile, and said, Yes? Even though the last thing she wanted was to be near a person so close to their own time of death. 
A very old woman sat in the chair next to her, with silvery gray hair, held in place by two astonishingly sparkly hair clips. One red and one purple. That's funny, Grace thought. Purple is my favorite color. Something about the woman seemed oddly familiar to Grace, but she couldn't pinpoint exactly what that something was. Sorry to bother you, dear. Yet as she said this, the old woman didn't look very sorry at all. In fact, she looked happy, maybe even a little excited. Whatever for, Grace didn't know. But you looked a bit worried just then. Perhaps you'd like me to tell you a story? Grace blinked. Well... She began awkwardly. She didn't know how to tell this stranger that she wasn't some three-year-old who only needed a story and a cuddle to make her feel better. Grace's problems were much bigger than a skinned knee, and much more daunting than a lost toy. But Grace was tired, and the old woman next to her looked so hopeful that Grace didn't have the heart to let her down. Okay, sure. The lady's eyes immediately brightened. Wonderful! Grace settled back against the seat and closed her eyes. Maybe this won't be so bad after all. In fact, Grace found that she was actually looking forward to having a little distraction. Now, the lady began, clearing her throat. Let's begin. Part two. Gray's eyes flicker in her sleep. Perhaps she's dreaming. Snow falls around her in soft, low, graceful curves. It flurries on the wind, each flake landing gently on the ground. One particularly confused snowflake gets nudged by the wind and ends up landing on Gray's cheek. She yawns, eyes still closed, and reaches up to wipe her face. The snowflake jumps up just in time, shakes itself off, and continues on its way. Gray, on the other hand, is not so unperturbed. She opens her eyes and blinks in confusion when she sees the snowy field stretching before her. She hurriedly gets up, wiping loose snow off her coat. Wait, how did she get a coat? The snow squeaks, and Gray jumps, looking around her for the source of the sound. There's no one there, of course. Uneasily, Gray bites her lip, an awful habit, and tentatively asks, Hello? A voice answers. Hello? Gray jumps again for the second time that minute. The voice continues. Was the Milky Girl going to continue her question? Gray reddens. Don't call me that. She hisses to no one in particular. Apologies, miss. That's all right, I suppose. She replies rather awkwardly. Gray never liked it when people called attention to her complexion. She is extraordinarily pale, as pale as, well, as pale as milk. Um, where are you? Gray asks the empty and rather cold air around her. She begins to be very glad of the coat that suddenly appeared on her person. We're down here, miss, on the ground. Gray looks down, 
but of course she can only see the snow. I can't see you. Bend down, miss. And so Gray did bend down. She gets onto her stomach and lies there despite the cold. And there she sees hundreds of little white snowflakes. From afar, they look like any other snow-covered mound. But up close, Gray can somehow sense that they are alive and that they are, in fact, where the voices are coming from. There's a certain aura around them that makes Gray believe in their reality. What are you? Gray asks curiously. She's never seen talking snowflakes before. We're snow, miss. Well, yes, but snow isn't supposed to talk. She points out. A collective gasp rose up from the little creatures at her feet and a snowflake demanded. What do you mean we're not supposed to talk? We have thoughts just as much as you do, and ideas, and feelings. Oh, I'm sorry. Gray apologizes quickly, for she is a polite sort of person. And then she realizes something. But then, that means... And her eyes widened in horror. I'm lying on top of you right now, crushing you. She scrambles to her feet and tries anxiously to stand on a patch of ground not covered in snow. Unfortunately, there was no such thing anywhere nearby. So she hopped from foot to foot, trying not to injure the poor snowflakes that surrounded her. No, no, miss. It's all right. We have feelings, but we can't feel things. You're not hurting us at all. Oh. Gray puts both her feet down on the ground, a bit reluctantly. Are you sure? Of course. Why, look at the patch of us you were just lying down on. Do we look hurt? Gray bends down and sees that the snow is, in fact, not flattened, just a bit squashed together. They actually look rather cozy. Well, I'm glad I didn't hurt you. Gray says, giving them a sheepish smile. But would you mind telling me where I am? Part 3 Wait. Grace squinted at the silver-haired lady sitting next to her, skepticism written all over her big gray eyes. You're telling me that this girl woke up in the middle of nowhere with amnesia and she meets talking snow? Wow, old people sure do have a flair for the dramatic. They should, another voice in Grace's head echoed. I mean, who wouldn't want to live life to the fullest when you could lose it at any second? Ah, Grace grimaced. Her thoughts had been rather dark as of late. Ever since that day, a few weeks ago. That's right. The woman confirmed, nodding her head and causing the sparkles on her hair clips to shine and catch the light. Grace continuously found her gaze being drawn to them, though she didn't want to be rude and have the old woman catch her staring. Well... The lady began, frowning slightly and opening and closing her mouth like a fish out of water. I need something to drink. She winked at Grace. Let's take a break from the story for a moment, huh? And would you mind fetching me some water? 
sucked into doing chores again. But Grace didn't really mind. She just wanted to hear the end of the story. Hopping up off the seat, she crossed the waiting room to the water refill station. She grabbed one of the recyclable paper cups and knelt down to fill it up. As she knelt, Grace let her ears pick up all the different sounds in the waiting room. The clack of shoes against the tile, the constant hum of the coffee maker, the plaintive pleas of young children who want something that their parents won't give them. Grace picked up one conversation in particular, though, that of her mother and father. By crossing the room, she had put herself right next to them, well within listing range. And so she listened. I don't know what we're supposed to do. Ever since we found out that she might... that she might... I know, Grace's dad cut in. But we have to make sure we stay positive. Grace needs us to. She hasn't been coming out of her room, doesn't want to go to her friends' houses. I don't think she's been sleeping well either. I don't think anyone in the house is. Grace's mother sounded so tired, so defeated. Grace quickly shut them out again. She didn't want to hear this. Grace gasped. The cup had overflowed, letting cold water splash over her arms. She hastily pulled it away and turned off the tap. Grace stood there for a few seconds, deep breaths. Then she turned to find the lady with the sparkling hair clips waving her over. Grace could see the sympathy in the woman's eyes from all the way across the room. Get over here. The story isn't finished yet. Grace found herself feeling absurdly thankful for the woman's brazenness. She hadn't stopped to ask if Grace was feeling all right. She had merely told her to get over here. Grace sat back down and handed the water to the woman. Thank you. She took the cup and had a long sip. Grace watched as the woman's eyelids fluttered closed. Ah, that's better. The woman placed the cup down on a side table. Now... Her eyes flew open. Where were we? Part four. The snowflakes around Gray chatter, each sound mysteriously joining together to create a musical waterfall of tiny voices. How can the mist not know where she is? One snowflake asks, Perplexed. Isn't it always one's job to know where one is? Yes, yes, one is certainly always to know where one is, or will be, or was. Another snowflake chimes. Yet the mist does not. And the voices grow louder and louder, but the overall effect is still no larger than a whisper. And so all Gray has to say is, could someone please just answer my question? And they all immediately quieted down as if she had yelled. Do you really not know where you are, miss? The snowflake who had first said hello to her asks, incredulously, quietly. No. Gray shakes her head. But if you don't know where you are, miss, then how did you get here? Oh. 
Well, I don't know. Then Gray realizes she has no idea what she was doing before she had woken up or where she had been or even who she is. All she can remember is that her name is Gray and she is 12 years old. I don't know. Gray answers sadly, for she is sad and lonely and cold and lost and hungry and about a million other not so great things. Snow seems to take this statement a lot easier than it had her previous question. Well then, that's all right. We'll tell you where you are, miss. You're in Khalil, the land of the greats. But before Gray got the chance to ask what the snowflakes meant, they were interrupted by the sound of a... Was that a foghorn blowing in the distance? What was that? Gray asks, still looking in the direction of the strange sound. No one answers her. She looks down and sees that all the snow around her is melted. Oh. Is all she can say, looking down at the puddle sorrowfully. She shades her eyes and looks up at the sun, that murderous ball of bright yellow light that has just escaped from the protective layers of cloud cover up in the sky. She gives one more apologetic look at her poorly faded friends and gathers her courage. Well, what to do next? She thinks, pivoting on her foot, looking all around her. To the west is just endless snow in the distance. So is the north and the south. In the east is the same, except for a small spattering of water-like blue beyond the blinding white. The foghorn-ish sound that had come from the northeast. And so, Gray reasons, why not start there? It's not like she has anywhere else to go, Gray thinks rather sadly. She begins to walk to the east and tirelessly makes her way through the melting snow. She shivers, pulling her worn brown trench coat over her body. The walk through the fields takes about a half an hour, she thinks. For how can she tell when she has no watch? And then she arrives. At the sea which looks like it belongs on a white sand beach in the Bahamas somewhere. Certainly not a snow-covered rocky bluff sprouting only a few resilient strands of heather. The water is a light turquoise blue, and Gray can see the bright coral and tropical fish swimming just below the surface. Gray stands there staring in silent awe at the magnificent contrast of worlds. A flicker of movement catches her eye, and she turns towards it. A girl clothed in all black sits just a few meters away. She is sheltering from the winds at a small dip between the sandy hillocks. The girl has short black hair, pale skin, and Gray can't see her eyes, hidden as they are beneath the hood of her cloak. Hello. Gray greets the girl hesitantly. The hood slowly lifts up and turns to face her. What's your name? The hood is silent. Gray begins to feel a little frightened. Snow crunches beneath her feet as she takes a step backwards. Oh, I'm sorry. She mutters an apology quickly to the ground. She's about to leave when suddenly a cool voice emerges from the hood. How did you know about the snowlings? You're obviously not from here. 
Gray raises her eyebrows, surprised. The snowlings? The girl huffs. <sighs> the snow that you just said sorry to? They're called snowlings. Oh. Well, it's a long story. The girl looks up and in doing so reveals two greenish, unsmiling eyes. I like long stories. Gray smiles a bit disconcerted. Then she realizes what the girl said. How did you know I was new? The hood shrugs. Like I said, obvious. You don't have the air of someone that's from here, I suppose, but... The girl frowns. You sort of do, actually, but there's a lot more to it than that. The girl stands up and takes a step forward. My name is Farah, by the way. She holds out her hand. Gray. They shake hands and Farah smiles rather grimly. Gray thinks. But that just seems to be this girl's general mood. Welcome to Khalil. Part 5 There was a silence for a moment in the hospital. Well, not completely. The general sounds of the waiting room still rushed through the halls, but... Grace and her companion's little corner of the world remained quiet. Grace found herself oddly moved by the woman's story. She sat on the hard plastic hospital chair, hands around her knees, her gaze thoughtful. The old woman was looking at her with a small, sagely smile on her face, the kind of smile you give someone when you know exactly what's going on in their head. Feeling suddenly incredibly self-conscious, Grace turned. You never told me your name. The woman seemed surprised, but then she smiled again and held out her hand for Grace to shake. Grace took it. My name is Grace Faulkner. The woman said with a wink and a smile that stretched as high as the heavens. Grace, the original, gasped. What? Her brain lit up like a string of Christmas lights, and suddenly it all made sense. The way the old woman talked, the way she moved, it had the subtle familiarity of someone who she knew very well. I'll see you around. The old woman said and turned to go. But at the last minute she stopped, turned around, and unclipped the sparkling purple barrette from her hair. Here. Keep this safe. For me. Grace watched her walk away, eyes wide with astonishment. But that's not possible. Grace! She turned to see her mother waving her over, gaze tight with anxiety. It's time! It seemed as if the world had stopped moving. Grace slowly got to her feet, blood rushing through her head, and an acute roaring in her ears. She numbly stepped past a young boy rolling a truck back and forth on the ground, making car noises. Every step brought her closer to what she had waited all these weeks to know. Grace looked up and saw her whole family, her siblings and her mom and dad, 
standing next to a doctor in a white lab coat. They were all huddled together, as if trying to protect each other from what was coming. She felt so apart from them, as if she were on another planet instead of just a few feet away. You ready? Her dad asked, reaching out to squeeze Grace's shoulder. Her mom pulled her closer to them, and for a second, just a second, Grace let herself pretend that they weren't actually in a hospital room waiting. Waiting, waiting, waiting. Time stood still as she and her parents were led to a separate little office room. She looked back at her four siblings, all lined up, staring back at her with worried eyes. She waited while the doctor opened his desk drawer and took out a big folder with her name on it. She waited while the silence in the room grew darker as the doctor flipped through the pages. The doctor looked up. I'm afraid that what we thought was true. We've done numerous tests, a blood count. Grace held her breath. Her parents held their breath. The doctor took a breath. Grace, you have cancer. The world spun as her mother took a strangled breath. Grace ignored the conversation that ensued and sat there looking at her hands. I have cancer. I have cancer. I have cancer. These words echoed in her head, revolved around and around, and kept coming back. I have cancer. I have cancer. Finally, Grace forced her gaze up. She stared dully at the folder on the desk for a moment before something registered. There, on the folder, on a little tab sticking up from the pages, was her name. Grace Faulkner. Just like the old lady. Grace said softly. She, Grace Gray Faulkner, had seen herself as an old woman. She had grown up to be an old woman. She was going to be an old woman. Only then did she realize what that really meant, and Grace gave a little gasp of joy. I am going to survive cancer and grow up to be that old woman with the wrinkled hands and the sparkly barrette in her hair. Grace slowly unfurled her hands to reveal the purple hair clip, and she knew, instinctively, that she was going to be all right.